What movie did Katherine Heigl star in where she had a huge collection of bridesmaids' dresses? That's right, 27 dresses. Hello, everybody. This is Kaylin Chenoweth. I'm back from a nice short little hiatus. I did enjoy my Christmas and New Year's and holidays vacation and time off. Now I'm back to let you know I can really shake them down. <laughs> okay, so let's get to it. I have so much stuff to tell everybody. It would probably take me, it will, it'll take me about 30 minutes just to recap everything that happened to me over the last few weeks and all the stuff that I've been working on. And I really do want to share it all with you. However, I'm going to save that all for next week. This week, I really want to share with everybody an interview that I did before Christmas break with a lady named Julia Spangler. She started her own sustainable events company. I did an episode a little while back about sustainable events like weddings, graduation parties, retirement parties, office parties, school fundraisers, and pretty much anything else. It was episode 18, if you want to go back and take a listen. So after episode 18, I was able to conduct this interview with Julia Spangler, and she was able to give a lot more very helpful hints and tips and tidbits. So if you have any major events that you are planning this year, please check out episode 18 for a nice little intro, and then also listen now on this episode 27 for a whole bunch of more detailed and in-depth information that will definitely be very vital to your event planning. So let's take it away. Here's the interview with Julia Spangler. Hello, everybody. This is Kaylin Chenoweth here, and I'm interviewing Julia Spangler. And I first heard about her at an event my company had this past June. It was a big event for 30,000 people, and I work in food service, and we were part of the planning process since we were catering the event. I knew the goal was for the event to be sustainable, but during the event, I saw signs for Julia Spangler, Sustainable Events Coordinator, and I thought to myself, what a great idea. She created a much-needed career and works with events, which normally contribute mass amounts of waste and pollution, and she changed them to sustainable solutions. And then I thought, I really need to interview her. Everyone has been or will be a part of some event at some point in time in their life. And if whether you're planning a wedding or volunteering at a school fundraising event, hosting a graduation party, planning an office holiday party or a team building event, you're all going to be involved. So this is going to be very pertinent information for you. Maybe you even help conduct conferences or are involved at the county fair or your town's festival. But all of these events produce astronomical amounts of waste. So let's learn together on how we as individuals can have a big impact next time we are involved with a personal work or community event. So everybody, please listen up and help me welcome Julia Spangler. Yay. So say hello. Hey, Kaylin. <laughs> hello. So Julia, you want to tell us a little bit about you and your journey with sustainability? Sure. Uh, so I'd say that my journey with sustainability really started when I was in college, and it actually started by learning about um, 
like sweatshops and child labor and manufacturing and things like that. Uh, I really got into it initially from the kind of social justice side of things. Um, and from my uh, interest and concern about that issue, I started a, a website that started out as like a, a directory of ethical fashion brands and then eventually it morphed into what I ended up calling a conscious lifestyle blog. Um, it's still up. I don't really update it anymore, but that was fairforallguide.com. Um, but kind of when you get into that world of uh, the social justice and ethical fashion space, there's a ton of overlap with sustainability and environmental issues. So I learned much more about that um, just from being in that space and really realized like, it doesn't matter if a company is paying someone a fair wage if at the same time they're polluting, polluting the place where their workers live. Um, so my interest in sustainability grew a lot then. And then of course, as I learned about the climate crisis, my focus shifted more fully onto the environment because it affects everything. Uh, and at the same time, I've always been very uncomfortable with waste of any kind, food waste, junk waste, anything. Um, ever since I was little, like I just kind of want to hoard things. I'm like, this will be useful someday. Um, I see the value in things. Um, so that all kind of was what was mulling around in my mind, kind of in my formative years in college and in my early 20s, uh, and helped kind of lead into creating my business. All right. So how, how did you get the idea to become a sustainable events coordinator? Uh, so I originally studied graphic design. That was my degree in college. And after college, I worked for several years in the marketing department of an insurance company, um, which is very different than what I do now. But what the overlap was is that that marketing department put on the company's events. And I'd never been involved in event planning or putting on events before. And it was a company that was like a relatively small company that you wouldn't think put on big events. So it was just kind of this whole hidden world to me. And unfortunately, there was a lot of waste that was generated with putting on these events, seeing food waste and promotional items, um, paper waste, all of that. And it just kind of occurred to me after working on these same events for a few years that there's really got to be a better way than what we were doing. And if this one company is putting on these events that one, most people don't even know about, and two, kind of of a scale you wouldn't think, there's so many other companies who are probably putting on events that I don't realize. And there's just a huge opportunity to help with that. So that was kind of what, uh, what clicked in my mind with that. And I agree. Even I went to the 4-H fair, the county fair over the summer, and they had a little, they have multiple buildings, multiple areas to check out. And one of the buildings was what they call the McDonald farm where they have the baby animals and they had a bunch of information about recycling and bettering the earth and how to save on your electricity and your water and as I'm walking around the fair I'm like well that's great fine and dandy but there's all trash everything is styrofoam and plastic mm. disposables and trash is the only option and I even brought at the time I had um I ran out of my water so I got a water like a disposable water bottle because it was a hot day <laughs> I, I did not mm -hmm. bring enough water with me and I carried that empty water bottle around with me forever just because there was not a recycling place to even put it I ended up bringing it back to the car with me and taking it home just so I could recycle it so I agree all the yeah that's a so wasteful yeah that's another thing that I kind of learned as well is there's a lot of people who 
are even concerned about sustainability in their home life and uh, are interested in it and want to be doing better. But kind of when it comes to an event, which people think of as a special one-time thing or a thing you have to do a certain way, people have a hard time applying the idea of sustainability and maybe the things that they do at home, applying those things to this event. So that's really um, that was another opportunity I realized is people just need to kind of connect the dots between what they do at home and figure out a way to do that at an event venue or you know wherever they're having the event. Perfect. So what are your tips or your recommendations for somebody who's involved with an event? Like what are your sustainable ideas that they could implement? Uh, I've got a few different categories of tips that I'm going to go through um, kind of my top recommendations. I want to start by talking about reducing waste because that is probably the biggest focus uh, of my business is waste uh, and helping people who plan events to reduce waste and keep waste out of the landfill. Um, and we all know the phrase reduce, reuse, recycle, uh, but I think one thing a lot of people don't realize is that that is actually listed in order of priority. So the most beneficial thing that you can do is to reduce and use fewer materials in the first place, then to reuse the things that you use, and then only when stuff isn't reusable in its current form anymore, that's when you would look at recycling it and turning it into something else because that's a pretty energy intensive process. Um, so my top tip for reducing waste uh, and the associated environmental footprint of waste from your event is to, you know, really think about reducing things that you don't need uh, and choosing reusable items whenever possible. Uh, and even if, you know, if you think that you're, you're just going to go with, you know, maybe compostable or recyclable plates or cups, um, the environmental impact of reusable items is still lower if there's something that gets, that actually does get reused multiple times. Um, you know, if you're renting dishes that a lot of people are, are renting, you don't want to buy something that's durable and just use it the one time. That's not really any different than using disposables. But rentals and reusing things you already have are a great way to reduce the impact from your event. Uh, and if you're getting anything created for your event, kind of be smart about the design of it. So anything you might typically consider single use could be reused. Uh, you know, think about the design of your signs. Uh, if you're, if it's a business event, maybe if you're in charge of making name badges or ordering lanyards or promotional items, you know, think about kind of easing off the event branding or the name of the event or the date or things that are really specific uh, and go with kind of a higher level design with maybe just like your company's logo or maybe, you know, if you're planning a reunion, the name of the school, something like that. So if you have leftover things, you can reuse it for uh, other events or other activities. That's, that's a big thing. And that's still something that uh, I found with some of my clients, I have to kind of work. We start with like recycling, composting, and diversion. And you have to kind of, we start with that and then we kind of work our way up to this higher level concept of reducing waste. But it's such, it's such a valuable tip because it's also the opportunity to save the most money because you're not rebuying things all the time, you're using what you have, you're being resourceful. Um, things that are, you know, I think all of us agree are, are good things, um, but just sometimes people get in that mindset of it's an event, it has to be some certain way, we have to get these certain decorations or these certain things. So 
Uh, I think that's probably my number one tip. When you move on to, you know, you've reduced what you can and you've got inevitably some waste left over, uh, kind of managing that. My main tip for that is to know the waste that you're going to have, kind of anticipate that and figure out in advance where you want it to go. So on the recycling side and on the composting side, if you're lucky enough to have that in your area, you know, really get familiar with the people who are going to be removing the waste from your event. So if you're having your event at your house, uh, you probably already know the name of the trash company and the recycling company that you use, um, but you probably, you know, maybe have different materials than you're used to from your event. So take a look again at their website and see what they can accept. Make sure that they do take the items that you're thinking will be recyclable. Um, and even better, if you can find the phone number for your local recycling facility and not just like the national call center phone number, like the local facility, they are great to call and ask because they're the people who are, you know, really running the equipment and seeing things. Uh, I've learned a ton taking tours of local recycling facilities. Uh, so if you ever get the chance to do that, I highly recommend it. It just gave me a hugely different understanding of the process of recycling. But in terms of planning for your waste at your event, what we do is we, we start out and we just kind of make a list of all of the waste items that we expect to be generated by an event. And for each of those items, we kind of categorize it into where it's gonna go. Can it go in the recycling bin? Can it go in the compost bin? Could it go in a donation collection bin? Or does it have to go in the trash? Um, so just kind of taking that time to think through all right, these are the materials that we're using, planning ahead. That can save a lot of headache when you're tearing down from your event uh, and kind of trying to sort and wonder if crepe paper is recyclable or can we recycle these forks, things like that. Um, the more that you can plan it ahead of time uh, is super helpful. And then when you're setting up, uh, just make sure that you actually have bins for each type of those uh, types of waste to make sure that they're labeled. Uh, and put them around the event in the, in the uh, relevant area. Make sure your kitchen has compost bins. Make sure if you're having a bar, for sure, have a recycling bin there. Um, bars are definitely the biggest generator of recyclables at events. So yeah, just kind of pre-planning the type of infrastructure that you need. It's not necessarily the most fun uh, decorative part of an event, but I very strongly consider recycling bins and compost bins to be event supplies, so add those to your list when you're planning uh, what you need to get or rent for your event. My next area of recommendations is about food waste, and this is probably the biggest concern a lot of people have for events because they do often result in a lot of food waste, but there's some things that we can do in the planning of the food service to reduce waste. First of all, if you are using a caterer to provide food for your event, talk to them uh, as much in advance as possible about donating leftover food. Uh, there is federal legislation that's been in effect since 1996, I believe, that um, kind of eliminates major liability concerns for businesses that donate food to nonprofits. Um, so if your caterer tries to use liability as an excuse for why they can't donate food, um, you can call them on that. It's the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Act. Um, I definitely recommend Googling that if you feel like that's going to be an issue. You know, print out a copy of it. It's not very long. It's like a page maybe. And show it to them and 
know, they really don't have a reason to not do it. And the sooner you bring it up, the more time they have to figure out how to do it logistically. And whether you are using a caterer or serving food that you or friends have made yourself, uh, if there's a buffet at the event, very easy hacks for reducing food waste are to use smaller plates and smaller serving utensils so people don't overserve themselves. You know, people will fill up uh, an 11 or 12 inch platter if that's what they have to eat off of. But if they only have an eight or nine inch dinner plate, they will only fill what they have. So those are very easy ideas to avoid people from getting too much food and then not being able to eat all of it. If it's a smaller personal event, you know, any food that's left in your trays, you can probably save. One important thing to know is that um, once food is set out and it's at a catered event, if you're working with a, like a professional caterer, uh, once food is out on the event floor, they will probably not allow you to keep it or take it home. Uh, and once it's been out on the event floor, you can't donate it either. So you would want to kind of work with your caterer so they don't put out any new food until you actually need it. Because when too much food is on the event floor, that's when it goes to waste. And that is, I think, a big shame because there's really, you know it's good food, but food safety-wise and um, like health department-wise, you just can't package up food that's, that's been on the event table, which is one of the saddest things that I see. And there are definitely ways to prevent that. And really to wrap up kind of the whole, my whole philosophy of reducing the impact of events, is to really just remember that less is more. And when you think about the different components of your event and what you're trying to accomplish with your event, um, you know, what kind of tone and feeling that you want it to have, uh, you'll probably see some opportunities to cut out things that aren't really serving your primary goal. And just really focus on the things that have the most impact. Like you don't need to probably be dazzling everyone with huge decorations and crazy mountains of food and um, giving lots of favors and gifts. You know, people are there to connect with people, to laugh, to have fun. You know, people won't go away hungry if you don't have 10 extra pans of food. Um, and you just avoid making investments in things that might have negligible benefits, not make that big of a difference to people, um, but that'll probably cost you money and potentially have significant environmental impact. So, I just encourage everyone to focus on the purpose of their event, uh, what you want people to do, how you want them to feel, um, and just let that affect your decisions and not have excess for the sake of excess. Well, I have learned so much. <laughs> Those are all fantastic tips, and I agree wholeheartedly with all of them because I've I've planned my own wedding, I've attended weddings, I've attended running events and then the big celebration that my company had this past summer and everything that you have mentioned 100% is very vital information to consider. Those are wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. No problem. I thanks for like I could ramble for literal hours on that. Like I had to really be like, okay, I'm not going to monologue for three hours on food waste and <laughs> but but yeah, there's there's a lot people can do and you don't have to do all of them at once either. Like there are things to have in mind. And if you're overwhelmed by like how long that segment was, like whatever jumped out to you is like the one or two things that you think 
are realistic for you to do at the next thing that you're planning, like focus on those because what makes the most difference is the thing that you actually do, not the thing that you feel guilty about not doing. Yeah. And I think for me personally, the best advice that I didn't even think about was calling everybody ahead of time to find out what is recyclable, what can you do with everything beforehand. Because if in the process of tearing down after a very long day of setting up, running the event during teardown, you just want to get out of there and go home. You don't, that's not the time to exactly. start searching if what you can do with all these things. You need to have that done ahead of time. That's, that's probably Definitely. The that helps a ton. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you have facts or figures on the money saved or waste diverted at your events? I don't have cost savings data, but I do. Uh, we measure all of the waste that we divert from the landfill. Uh, and our total to date, uh, we started measuring in 2017, and we've helped about two dozen events in that time, and we have kept 48,165 pounds of waste out of the landfill and out of incinerators. Wow, that is, that is great. That should make you feel really good. <laughs> that is a really good It episode. does. Like, I, I didn't compile it all into, like, one big total until about this time last year uh, and I think our total last year was around like 24,000 and I was like okay all right this we're doing some stuff here so yeah it's exciting and I also did kind of an interesting calculation for a display that I had at an event last year I wanted to figure out kind of on average of the events that I've worked on you know what percent is recyclable or compostable generally and you know if you go to the trouble of sorting things out, about 31% of event waste is recyclable, and about 43% is compostable, just because of kind of the weight of that food. So like that's pretty eye-opening, is that if you just have recycling and composting, you can probably divert close to 75% of your events waste if you're careful about collecting things. Wow. That is really cool. And even better yet, your business is still growing. So as it continues to grow, your numbers and are just, they're going to keep getting bigger and better and have a much better impact on the environment. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to be excited about the fact that there was this much waste, but we, you know, we're very excited that it was diverted to better purposes. You know, that includes waste that, you know, food that we've donated, supplies that we have donated to teachers treasures or other organizations you know it's not all just like you know food scraps that went to a compost pile which is is great as well um, some of that just went directly back to the community which is another exciting part of what we do yeah just out of curiosity what has been the most challenging event that you've ever had to do probably the most challenging event was um I was lucky enough to run the waste diversion program for the Meeting Professionals International Conference that was in Indianapolis in 2018. Uh, we did waste diversion, you know, for a conference, kind of there's a lot of individual events that make up the conference, you know, different meal functions, exhibit hall, sessions, things like that. Uh, we did waste diversion programs at five events in four days, which was just kind of my biggest it was my biggest event yet at the time. Uh, it was actually the reason that I left my day job that I had before. Uh, I, was, I did my business on the side 
uh, up until that point and then just kind of realize it like, oh, this is the biggest thing I've ever done. And I can't also work full time and do this. This, I, I got a job that's a full time job, which is really exciting. But the hardest thing about it was that it was a million degrees. <laughs> um, the first of the five events was uh, at an outside venue that had zero shade. Sometimes I just underestimate the sheer physical challenge sometimes of setting up 20 recycling bins, 20 compost bins, and uh, underestimating how big a venue is, especially when it's outdoors. But that was, we've learned a lot since then. You know, we, we staff more heavily. We make sure we have vehicles to help us set things up. And, um, but I just, that was a, that was a day where I learned a lot, but I would not want to repeat it necessarily. <laughs> it's one of those tough lessons, but so valuable. Yes, I think, I mean, every, every event has something about it that's like a, I would do this differently. But when I look back at even my first event uh, that we worked on in 2017, I'm like, how did I, how did we pull that off? Because I know how to do it so much better now. You had mentioned that you're in the Indianapolis area. So how far spread are your services? Can only people in the Indianapolis area hire you? So for on-site services, I do keep those limited to a particular radius. Um, I don't want to fly to do this work. Uh, and we have the most familiarity with the waste diversion vendors and infrastructure within central Indiana. Uh, we would do on-site services probably within a one or 200 mile radius of Indianapolis. But if there are events that are elsewhere in the country, we've consulted remotely on some different events that were, we did one that was in DC. Uh, we've consulted with uh, event planners in Nashville. Um, so we can work with um, people who are located anywhere. It would just be kind of more remotely consultative. Okay, so if the listeners of the podcast do want to learn more from you or to hire you, where would they go? They would go to www.juliasbangler.com. Uh, I've got all my info on there about the on-site services that we provide for events, um, my consulting packages, how I work with planners to kind of learn how to do these things so they don't always have to hire someone to do it for them. I've got a blog with a ton of free articles and tips on it. Uh, and I've also got some information about an online course that I created last year called How to Plan Zero Waste Events. Uh, and in it, you learn exactly what the title says. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Julia Spangler, and on Facebook, I'm under Julia Spangler Sustainable Events Consultant. Awesome, good. What is the strangest thing that you have done for sustainability, either personally or within your company or both? Oh, man. I feel like nothing seems weird to me anymore because I'm in garbage a lot of the time. And like that has become a normal thing to me because we're pretty, we're hands-on. We sort a lot of waste directly at events. So the most, like the weirdest recent thing I can think of is like digging my hands into a trash can full of mashed potatoes in order to move the potatoes to the compost bin. <laughs> we, all, we find some cool stuff in the trash too. The other day we were working an event and I found a whole set of, you know, like those tiny little glasses that uh, like a brewery would have for a beer flight. 
Okay. They were like, just somebody had thrown those away in the trash at an event. And if the event was not at this brewery, I don't know. They traveled a long way from like a whole different neighborhood um, and they weren't broken. So, you know, sometimes we recover things and now I have beer flight set. It's fine. (laughs) Literally one person's trash is another person's treasure. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much stuff that like people throw away because there's not a convenient way to get it to a person who would value it. Uh, And I think that that's kind of one of the biggest issues in consumer society. And I've got some other kind of side projects where I'm trying to help figure out ways for basically people with stuff that they don't want to get it to people who do want the stuff. Because I think that there is use and desire for a lot of things that we have. It's just getting it to the right people. I agree. I agree. Well, we're coming up near the end. Julia would like to offer an exclusive discount for the listeners of Starting Sustainability, and I'll let her tell you about it. Well, it's even better than discount. It's free. Uh, If you email me at julia at juliaspangler.com with the subject line Starting Sustainability, I have some, I have three free PDF resources that I've created that are about planning greener events. So kind of a a convenient recap of of some of the things that I talked about earlier. So you can have those on hand when you're planning your next event. Perfect. That's great. Awesome. Well, I think that's pretty much the end of the interview. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with everybody on the podcast? I just always like to wrap it up by telling people to start by doing one thing. Uh, and then once you're good at that, do the next thing and then do the next thing. Nobody becomes the sustainability perfect hero overnight. Uh, it's a learning process for everyone, uh, but the progress is what's important. I agree. And that's why I started this, starting sustainability. I'm like, I'm not the expert, but we're starting. We're going to keep trying. Even if we fail, we'll just keep trying until we figure it out. I love your message. Exactly. I want, I thank want to you. thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for letting me interview you. And for sharing all this information with all the listeners of the podcast, I really appreciate it. I hope the best of luck for your business in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And um, hopefully I'll see you around at some point at one of these events around Indianapolis. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Have a good one. (laughs) Bye. Hey, well, I hope everybody had a great time listening to the interview and that you learned something new and that it is applicable to whatever you have going on this year or any time in the future. I want to thank Julia very much for taking the time and allowing me to interview her. I really greatly appreciate it. I hope it was very beneficial for everybody. Do stay tuned for next week where I'll be sharing with you Everything that's been going on for the last couple of weeks, the travels over the holiday, our trip to Texas, different sustainable gifts, environmental friendly wrapping, and how all of that turned out, (laughs) the trials and the successes and the failures and the hysteria and everything else going on. And even though we are two-thirds through January, it is still not too late to get some New Year's resolutions or goals. I personally have a New Year's bucket list, and I'm going to be sharing that with everybody next week. In the meantime, if you're wanting to get more involved, don't forget that we have a Facebook group, Starting Sustainability. 
touch base with the Facebook group. It's growing every day. I'm adding new people to it, which is really exciting on my end. And I'm so happy to create a nice, neat, beautiful community where everybody can share ideas and thoughts and get questions answered. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode 27, feel free to go to www.startingsustainability.com slash episode 27, where you can get the show notes and any other piece of information. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everybody has a great rest of your week, and I look forward to touching base with everybody again next week. Have a great one.